We're uh, in our final week of this awakening series where we're talking about this need to, to, to be revitalized, to be awakened. But the challenge that that song represents is the reality of the awakening process. See, that there's hardships, there's persecution, there's, there's trials that we have to go through to experience that awakening. You've all heard the idiom, no pain, no gain. That actually dates back to the 1500s, but was first written down by John Ray in his book of Proverbs in 1670. But we know it from the 1982 aerobic workout videos by Jane Fonda. If you're clapping, that probably means you've done them. Has any, who, who's brave enough to say, I, I worked out the Jane Fonda? Awesome. Anybody still doing the Jane Fonda workout? Okay, good, because if, if you are, I got some parachute pants from the 80s that I'd like to give you. But, but Jane Fonda, that, that whole workout thing in the 80s, that was replaced in 1990, the 90s, by Suzanne Summers. Oh, you guessed it. Oh, I'm going there. The thigh master. Come on. Be honest. All right. You're in church, y'all can't lie. Who's got a thigh master up in their house or garage or up in the attic somewhere? You got a thigh master. That's awesome. If you ever come over to my house, if I ever invite you over for dinner and you come in and you see me on the thigh master, don't ever be my friend again, okay? Now, here's the point I'm making is that sometimes the, the growth and development process comes with pain. It's true physically, and it's true spiritually. And for Christians, sometimes our pain looks a whole lot like chains. Looks like chains. See, no one claps for that. You'll clap for the thigh master, but, but oh, man, you know, we talk, talk about God using chains. We don't, no, one, no, one, no amen on that. And yet, isn't that how God works? Doesn't he confine us? Doesn't he inhibit us? Doesn't he restrict us? Not for the, the purpose of punishing us. He's not a sick, mean, diabolical God. No, for the purpose of preparing us, for the purpose of helping us experience growth, helping us experience gain. Sometimes it takes chains to accomplish that. Anybody be honest to say, you know, I feel like I'm kind of in the midst of some, some, some chains right now. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty, brother. Thank you. But we need to look at that process a little differently. I know we always look at that as, you know, this, this negative thing. But I want to challenge you today to look at those chains the way we're going to see this guy named Paul, how he looked at him, at these chains. You see, he didn't look at them as a bad thing. He looked at them as God's will. So in the adapted words of, of Jane Fonda, here's my message title. Here you go. Ready? No chains, no gains. Come on, say it with me. No chains, no gains. I want that to be, be your verbiage around the house, all right? I know it's going to be a little weird, but I want you to start saying that. No chains, no gains, because it, it forces you to look at your chains differently. It forces us to look at from, from biblical, from scriptural eyes and look at those chains, how God looks at those chains. We all want an awakening, but very few of us want to go through the chains that it is required to get there. I pray that this church will be a church that's willing to embrace the, 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 the challenges from God so that we can embrace the awakening that comes through those chains. Amen? 
We're going to look at a guy named Paul. He was placed in chains in Philippians chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Philippians chapter 1. He was in chains on house arrest in Rome, waiting to appear before the Roman emperor. For two years, he was in chains. Now, we don't know if he was literally in chains. We know that there was a Roman guard outside of his house, so he was on house arrest. Was he chained inside the house? Likely not. But how many know you don't have to be in chains to be chained? Most of us that are chained, we, we, we don't have chains, but we're still chained. And so he's in these chains, so to speak, and God's going to use these chains to awaken an, an entire city, an entire nation, and it really the, an entire world as Christianity would spread largely because of this man. And here's what I'm trying to say is your awakening isn't just about you. It's not just about what God wants to do in you. It's about what God wants to do through you. Don't let that, the work of God stop with you. You are not the final resting place for God's grace. God wants to do something in you so he can do something through you. And that usually happens at the same time. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul is also the author here. Now I, am, or it's, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, listen to this, is actually served to advance the gospel. All this negativity, right, in the world's eyes, he's, on, he's in house arrest, and he says, all of this has happened to advance the gospel. Verse 13, as a result, it has come, become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. Does, does this world need confidence right now? I mean, I feel like that's written to us today. This that we would become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. That's awakening. Verse 15, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of gospel. Did it ever occur to you that you might be put in a place to defend the gospel? Paul was. Why would God do that with us? You better believe he would. Verse 17, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not, not sincerely, supposing that they stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. That's for us today, that we would have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Check this out. Whether by life or by death. Sorry, prosperity gospel preachers. Sometimes you got to die. Sometimes God takes you home. Sometimes that's the way God delivers you. Sorry. You I mean, be careful who you listen to and what you, when, you, when you turn on your television. Because sometimes, and he understood it. He understood this might, I might live. I might die. I don't know what my chains are going to exactly look like and how it's all going to be. But one way or another, I'm going to be delivered. That Christ will be exalted, whether by life or death, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Thank you, God, in the name of Jesus, for that man and his example and his boldness and his confidence and the, the fact that he would proclaim the gospel in the face of adversity. God, what an example to us in our present day world where it's getting harder and harder to, to, to be a follower of Christ. God, help us have that boldness. Help awaken us 
to a new way of thinking, God, in a world that's short of courage. Help us be courageous and embrace our chains, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes, point number one, confinement is God's alignment. God's chains, God's confinement is God's way of aligning us. It's twofold. It's if you read the scripture, God was aligning Paul to himself through these chains, right? So there's something in it for Paul. So when God does, when God allows change to come your way, okay, God's aligning you to him. There's something that God needed Paul to, to learn that he would only learn in that two-year prison sentence, okay? And, but, but also, there's a, there's a, it's twofold, because God is also aligning other people to himself through Paul. Who? The guards, the palace guards. Verse 13, as a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone that I'm in chains for Christ. That word for comes from a Greek word that means marked by a location. So you could more accurately say, I am in chains in a specific location for Christ. There's an exact spot that you're supposed to be in. The problem is we experience chains, right? We experience persecution. And what do we do? I'm out of here, right? There must be something wrong because this world that we live in teaches us we're not supposed to suffer, Right? It, it, I mean, we got dual climate zones in your air conditioner, your, in your car, like because my wife wants it a certain, I like it a little cooler. Right? I mean, we don't suffer. We know nothing about suffering. And so what we do is we run, and what happens is God's trying to do a work through these chains, right? He's got us right where he wants us, and we get out of position. How many of you know the play of God doesn't work unless you're in the right place of God? Right? The play that God's trying to run doesn't work unless you're in the right place of God. It's like Jimmy Chitwood coming off the picket fence. Remember that, Hoosiers? Oh, I know we got some Indiana fans in here. I know you all are from Indiana. I got at least two people from Indiana. You'll make it, I'll make it, coach. See, that's confidence. Jimmy Chitwood knew a thing or two about confidence. But the, the, remember the big, the big play was the, the picket fence. It was a double screen at the top of the key. But the double screen at the top of the key only works if these two jokers who are setting the screen are at the top of the key, right? If, if, if they're down here at the, at the baseline, it ain't going to work. He comes off, this is the double, I, I would use, I would illustrate this, but you know, with COVID, I don't want, I don't want the haters to hate. So I'm just gonna, this is, this is my double screen right here, okay? There's the basket right there. Chitwood would come off, right, shoulder to shoulder, because any good coach tells his team to go shoulder to shoulder, right? So no person can fit through. You come right off that screen, right? Ball, the time, it's all about timing. Here comes the ball delivered, right? Square to the basket, square up. Fish hook, release, bam, right? It only works, the play of God only works if you're in the place of God, don't you let yourself get out of position. Paul was in position. And one of the evidences that he was in position is that the people came to him. I want you to think about that for a second. If you read the Bible, you'll find that Paul went on all these missionary journeys, thousands of miles. His whole life was running after people. But now God's got him in the place of God, and God runs the play of God. And so the people now come to him. I mean, he can't leave. He can't go anywhere. So God's like, no problem. I'm bringing the soldiers to you. And they rotate the guards. And what do the guards hear? What do the guards see? They see, yeah, they see worship. They see a guy that, that should be discontent, a guy that should be mad at God, a, a guy that, you know, should be disgruntled. I mean, many of us, let's be honest, we probably, yeah, he's in there for two, after two days, I'm probably complaining to God, God, right? Come on, so hard. You know, no, no, he's, he's full of joy. And so, so what they see is this guy. 
And so then they have to examine themselves. Well, wait a second. If he can be that joyful on the inside of prison, I can be joyful on the outside. It forces the guards to look at themselves. How could he be so happy? How could he be so full of joy in prison? Friends, the secret of joy is knowing where to find it. Y'all need to say amen. Come on, say amen. Let's get, let's, let's be, let's be in our, What time do the Cardinals play today? Huh? Are they playing right now? Oh, y'all are dedicated then. Good. Good. But don't you dare give a football team more joy. Let's, let's be interactive in church, man. Let's be excited about what God wants to do in us. Let's be participatory in, in the message of God. Amen? And so the, the, the secret to the joy is knowing where to find it. Paul didn't look for joy in stuff. He didn't look for it in people. He didn't look for it in, in, in his Instagram feed, right? How many, or how many likes he got on Facebook. Stop looking in the world for something that only God can give you. Only God can give you that joy. If you look for the world, you're going to be disappointed every time. You're going to be disappointed every time. It's like we, we swipe right, right? We swipe right, and then you see the NASDAQ and the Dow Jones, right? And, and you see the graph. Sometimes it's in the green. Now it's in the red. You know, and so, like, people's joy is, like, dictated by a stupid graph on a phone. Like, I refuse to be governed by that. Like, I'm not going to swipe right. or sw I'm swiping up. I'm swiping up to Jesus and say, my joy is up. It's in you. Because you'll never let me down. You may, you may allow me to be in chains and the path of, of following Christ ain't, ain't always easy. So I don't want any buyer's remorse here. I'm going to be, I'm going to keep it real. But, but the joy never has to leave you. And, and see, that's what they couldn't figure out. The guards were like, man, what is it about him? He knew where to look, his joy. Listen, he would go on to write this in Philippians chapter three. A few, a few chapters later, he, he writes in, in the chapter three, verse seven. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Oh my Lord, that, that is the sound right there of freedom. Because when you get to that place, friends, you are free. Paul's biggest gain was Jesus. I wonder, like if we could just be honest and say, what's, what's your biggest gain in life? I wonder if we were truly honest, myself included, if we could like put up on the screen, like, but you couldn't lie. Like you couldn't lie. Like, you know, it just, it was just whoosh, Magically, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we just whoo, appear up on the screen. Like, what would we see right now on that screen? Would we see Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? A car? A Rolls Royce, you know, a, a Lamborghini, a nice house, a boat. All those things are great. But, like, I wonder if Jesus would really be at the top of my list. And I, I'm a pastor, y'all. You know, I'm preaching the message. And I'm like, God, please tell me you'd be at the top of my list. Please tell me. I love it. That's what Paul, Paul's such a great, you know, I'm trying, we're trying to teach our kids that to, 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 you know, put Christ first and, and, and seek him first. And I'm so proud. I just got to brag really quickly on my son, uh, my, my son, Gavin. He's, he's uh, actually, he's back there somewhere working the board. Actually, he's sitting there with us. Makai, what's up, Makai? How you doing, man? Chris, what's up? Good to see you guys. Um, but yeah, so he, he's on this golf team and actually Makai's on the golf team as well. Makai's not quite as good as Gavin. Just keeping it real. He, no, you got really good. I'm proud of you, man. But so, so Gavin, so he was, at freshman, he was like the number one guy on the team, right? And, and he was really getting into golf. And then I messed things up for him. I planted a church. 
You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that, that's not good for your golf game. And, and so, but I'm so proud of him because he's been like, you know, you know he's, got, he's got this whole plan with, you know, he was going to do this and go golf and go, go Division I, all this stuff. And he said, Dad, God did something to me. I feel called like I'm supposed to just be at the gathering. And, and, and I know some of y'all are going to be like, oh, he's not going to college. <laughs> he's not going to college. And you know what? If that's the will of God, and I know we were brought up, you know, you always go to college and I'm driven and I'm, trust me, I'm driven. You know, I went to college and I did. But, but I'm saying if that's, if that's God's plan for his life and he's seeking God's gain rather than the world's <laughs> accolades, amen. And the cool thing is Matthew 6, when you seek first the kingdom of God, he gives you all these things, right? And guess what's happening? The guy hardly, I shouldn't say this in front of Makai. But he hardly ever practices golf. And I'm not, you know, but, you know, he's, he's playing on the team this year. He's won three tournaments. He's won three tournaments. And that's what God does because you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you. All the things that don't matter quite, all the other gains that don't matter as much. And God's like, I'm going to bless you with them. You want a nice truck? That's cool. I'll get you a nice truck. But just seek me first. Seek me first. That's what he did. Amen. I, I, I don't know who you are, but I like you. You bring her back. Shoot. So I, I want to challenge you this week to begin to look at, at your, your prison as your platform. Yeah. You want to write that down. Put in your phone, whatever, because I don't want you to forget it. Look at your prison as your platform. John Bunyan, he was a poor, uh, uneducated man who lived in a small town in England in the 17th century. He began preaching to large crowds, and people would start to come hear this guy from, from all over. The problem was, is the preaching outside the official church in England in 1660 was illegal. What'd they do? They threw this husband and father of four in prison. They put him in prison. And they said, look, if you stop preaching, if you promise not to preach, we'll let you out, okay? We'll take the chains off. To which he said... Nope. I'm going to preach the word of God. What they do? They kept him in prison for 12 years. It was in those 12 years that John Bunyan would write a book. You might have heard of it. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. The most circulated Christian book to date other than the Bible. And listen to what he said. Listen to what he said. He said, I, I have been away from my writing too long. Maybe this is not so much a prison as an office from which I can reach the world with Christ's message. Come on, y'all. Is that awesome? Like that's, you got to start looking at it as an office. You know, like we got to start looking at our situation. That health issue, the health issue, it, it, it might not be a health issue as much as it is a platform to witness to a doctor, which I've known, I know you've done. Witness to a doctor who needs to know that, that, that Jesus can heal in ways that medicine can't. Maybe your financial problem isn't a financial problem. Maybe it's a stage upon which you bring hope to someone who needs to see Jesus as Jehovah Jireh, right, the provider. Maybe your marriage challenge, maybe, maybe it's a vehicle for, for your kids to help learn how to navigate through a marriage, through a, through a challenging marriage, so that when they're older and their marriage starts to get a little bit messy, which it will, then they know how because they saw you on your platform. 
Maybe your work drama, the, the drama that, that you have with that, that, that boss who's a jack wagon, maybe that's an altar upon which you exalt Christ amidst the, all the hell that's breaking loose. You, you, you exalt Christ and say, you know what? He may be tough to work with, but you know what? I'm going to love him because the Bible says to love that guy, right? And you know, I was that guy once too. You see, we've got to start looking at things differently. This week, or last week, we had six signs stolen. Can you believe that? Six of our A-frame signs. Who's going to do that? Who's going to do that? So we, we talked about getting, so we got some new signs. And they're kind of expensive, okay? They're kind of pricey. You wouldn't believe how much those little A-frame signs are. And, you know, I, I, as, I'm the one that stands before God, right? As the steward of the tithe dollars. Your, your dollars, right? That you, I, I just want you to know, it keeps me up at night. Like, I take that seriously, okay? I, I'm very careful. And so I say, listen, we're going to get new signs because we need people to be able to find the place. But I want, like, a cement block chained to those things or, or some sort of anti-theft device because I don't want to be just losing signs, right? You just see, Lamonic, you know how I am. So, so one of the people on our, our team who was thinking about the volunteers and the people who actually had to do that was like, hey, man, that's going to be a lot of work. I mean, have you ever tried putting those signs out? It's like Frogger, man. You know, you're trying to dodge traffic, you know, putting those things. It's, it, it's, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. And so, you know, 110-degree weather, you know, set them. Now i gotta, now I got to put a cement block on a chain, you know, really, right? But you know what I said? I said, no, no. I don't feel sorry for those people putting them out. Why? Because that's their, that's their prison. That's their platform. And, and I'm not going to rob their blessing. If they're going to sweat their butt off putting them out, yay, God. Because you know what? Could you imagine if someone sees that sign and says, I'm going to go to that church, and they accept Christ? Could you imagine they're in eternity because God used somebody to put a sign with a big cement block chained to it? Sweating their butt off. Isn't that awesome? Come on. I'm not going to rob anybody's blessing of that. Who put him out? Was it Tim? Are you here? Is it Tim? Tim, stand up. Let's give God praise for what he's doing through Tim. Come on. And I, I saw on the way, and you got creative. You were, like, chaining them to like, to, like, signs. I'm not sure that's legal, but I don't know. All I know is they ain't stealing them. Praise God. Let me, Acts 5, 4, 41. After being jailed and flogged, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Friends, when we get, we get to the place where we're like excited, you know, like of all the churches that could have got hit, of all the signs that could have got so God, you, you allowed us to suffer just a little bit of persecution. Thank you for that. Thank you for allowing us to, to, to have a, a, a volunteer sweat for you. You see, Point is, no chains, no gains. Amen? Second point, confinement multiplies our witness. When we're in confinement, when we're in chains, it has this effect of multiplying our witness. Look at verse 14. And because my chains, of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel with, with, without fear. I can't say that without smiling because it's, it's so relevant to us today. We need confidence to proclaim boldly the name of Jesus Christ to a dark world. Has there ever been a time in your life where this message has needed to go forth more? You, you, you could argue, but I'm going to tell you, in my life, I believe there has never been a time for for such a great need for confidence and boldness in proclaiming the name. But the problem is we as Christians have become way too politically correct. 
We like try to fit our gospel comfortably, just kind of sneak it in in a nice little world. And we're just like, when everyone, you know, it's like, where do we get that from? Because, because again, I'm just going to get, everything has to go back to this book. All right. And I go back to this book and I'm like, that's, I want everyone to like me. John 15, 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind, they hated me first. Jesus is like, there's people that are going to hate you. They hated me and I'm Jesus. I, I don't want to be misunderstood. 1 Corinthians 2.14. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds like foolishness to them. They can't understand it. Of course you're going to be misunderstood. Of course I'm going to be misunderstood. But, but I, just want, I just want to get along. I just want to get along with everyone. Luke 12.51. Jesus said, Do you think I have come to bring peace to earth? No. I have come to divide people against others. Against each other. Now, that's hard pill to swallow because, well, how, how do you, well, wait a second. He's talking about the people who don't, the people that would reject him, right? The good news is only good news to people who want to hear it. So when you share your faith, you might be rejected. You might be divisive when you share the word of God. And that's not like you're intentionally trying to be divisive. It's just some people, you don't know who's going to reject you and who's not. Friends, we got to be bold. You know, we can't, we got to stop singing kumbaya, you know. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna, like, that's great. <laughs> that's great and everything, and that's awesome. Like, the kids can sing. But, but here, we, 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 they killed the light. They hung the light on the tree and killed him. They, they executed him in the most grotesque and gruesome manner. That's what they did to the light. Now, thanks to the death, burial, and the resurrection, the story didn't end, and the light is supposed to now shine through us, right, through the Holy Spirit, the presence of Christ in us. We're supposed to shine that light. But do we? Are we that light? I want to be that light, friends. We live in a world that needs our witness more than ever. More than ever, this world needs. San Francisco, you're allowed one worshiper as of last week, you're allowed one worshiper at a time in the church. One worshiper at a time. And yet, tattoo parlors, they're open. Beauty salons, they're open. Liquor stores, they're open for business. And so we go, like, God, why don't you do something about this? God says, I'm going to ask you the same question. I've been waiting on you. I've given you a church. I've given you a pulpit. I've given you a nice microphone. What are we doing about it? We can do something about it. We can pray. We can be bold. We can, November 3rd, we can do something. November 3rd, we can do something. And listen, I don't want to talk about politics in church. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about Democrat or Republican. I'm talking about this book. And everything that he died for, everything he lived for, everything that, that he told us to do, it, it, you know, all the values and everything, it's, it's all, that's what's on, that's what we're voting for on November 3rd. It's not a, uh, it's not a person. It's, it's Jesus and those values. So we got to be bold, man. we got to be bold. I said last week to be bold, uh, you know, Proverbs 28, the righteous are as bold as a lion. We gotta be bold like lions. And I saw this little picture this week. Lions don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. <laughs> like we gotta stop caring so much what people think, y'all. It's like, you know, you think he's worried about a sheep, y'all? I mean, come on. He's not worried about a sheep. 
We've got to stop worrying about stuff and just do what God's called us to do. Our chains allow us to do two things, grow or glow. Our chains allow us to grow in Christ or glow for Christ. And friends, a lot of people say, well, I got, I got to grow so that I can go. No, they happen simultaneously. And I want to say that, that your darkest hour, the time of your most intense challenge in life is often the time of your greatest witness. Your greatest witness. When's the last time you really learned a lot and you really grew a lot when you were on the mountaintop? Anybody grow on the mountain? I don't grow on the mountaintop. I gloat on the mountain. Look at me, you know, my pride. No, no, I grow when I'm in the valley. I grow when God knocks me on my back and chains me and I realize that I only got one place and that's to look up. Like that's where I grow. And that's what God wants us to realize. You get, let's think about Daniel. He was confined in a den of lions, right? He was in chains and what happened? And by the way, he was, he was in a den of lions for refusing to pray to, to the Babylonian king, King Darius, right? So he was there for a godly reason. In his darkest hour, what happened? He praised God, and God showed up. Verse 17, Daniel 6, verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the ring of his nobles so that, listen to this, it's going to sound crazy, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Wait a second, God. I thought you loved me. Uh, you could change this. You could roll that stone away, you know. Like, and yet, God allowed him to be sealed in there so that his situation wouldn't change. Sometimes, God allows you to be chained for a little longer than you want to be chained. And God says, I know what I'm doing. Just trust me. I'm going to get glory out of this. You better believe through that night he had some, he had some questions. I mean, think about what was going through his mind. He hears the, the, the lions just growl, like roar. roar. You know, what, 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 do you, what do you think he started to ponder? God, I got some questions. I got questions, God. God doesn't always answer our questions. Jesus, in the gospel, asked 308 questions, of which he only directed, directly answered eight. Sometimes we don't have the answer. Sometimes we don't get the download from God. He just says, be faithful. And, and so what do we do through that long night? What do you do through your long night when you're in chains? When you're like, God, I want you to show up, and he doesn't show up. What do you do? I already told you a couple weeks ago. Pray the promises of God, not the problems of God. Pray the promises of God. God already knows our problems. He already knew that, 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 that Daniel was sealed in a tomb with, with, with a bunch of hungry lions that wanted to devour him. Like He knew that. You don't have to explain your problem as if God is so disconnected. It doesn't. No, no. God knows your problems. He wants you. He wants to know that you know His promises. And so we got to begin to just pray those promises. And I, I shared a bunch with you a few weeks ago. You can go back and watch that message. But begin to pray the, the truth of God's word into your situation. And that doesn't necessarily change your situation, but it changes you. It changes the way you look at your situation. It changes the way you go through your situation. And the way you go through your situation actually matters because people are watching you go through your situation. And so you begin to pray the promises. Some of you say, well, I'm not a very good prayer. Well, can you sing? Because you can sing the promises of God. Come on, you can sing. Our God is a lion. 
the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battle. I can just hear him singing that. Or I'm going to see the victory. I'm going to see the victory. He probably like, like, like by, by midnight, like he was starting to get tired. By, by 5 a.m., he's like, in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight because of Jesus. So you were wondering how I was going to redeem that song. Just praise, man. Praise him. Praise him. We got a brother right here. Who's here? Vince. I'm proud of you, man. First time to the gathering. Three days ago, he lost his son to suicide. His wife flew back to take care of things and make arrangements. He has someone he's looking after here, so had to be here. But he's here. And you're, you're praising God. And I, I can just imagine, brother, I can only imagine what God thinks of you right now at this moment. How proud he is of you in the midst of hell, in the midst of your storm. You're raising your hallelujah and you're giving God praise. You're declaring that he is still God. Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. That's what Job prayed after he lost his family. Job 13, I will trust in you, though you slay me. Vince, I am proud of you. I'm thankful for your witness to all of us today because some of our problems all of a sudden just got a whole lot smaller. That little argument you had with your spouse before you came just got a whole lot smarter. Why? Because you're being a light. Give God praise. Like Vince, I want you to use that link to be a light. It should be a light. Some of you know Michael and Aaron Dan, who are on our team here at this church. I've asked them and they've allowed me to share this story. Six years ago, they acknowledged that they made some bad decisions. And those bad decisions would cause them to run from God, far from God. Then they had their, their second son, Max. Max, he was born with some chains. He uh, has a very severe cleft palate. Very severe and would require a very intrusive and, and rather dangerous surgery that could lead to some other complications. And here's a, here's a young boy. Here's a couple far from God. 
Here's a young boy with some chains. And the chains would render his voice useless. He had no voice because of the cleft palate. And yet, in the providence of God and the sweet irony of God, God would use this little boy with no voice to speak loudly to parents who were far from God, who were running from God. And he was a light and didn't even know it. And he would use him to bring Michael and Aaron back to Jesus. Amen is right. And Terry, I didn't forget you. There was a mama that was always praying for the prodigal to come back. Well, he came back. He came back. And he came back strong. Friends, but then there was someone else that got, and I I was wondering why the Lord, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to bring extra chains because I was only going to bring four. But I brought a couple extra, and I'm glad I did. Because now you're coming in here today, Vince. And through your misery, through your sorrow, through your grief, you're being a light to this church, to the people of the gathering today. God used you as a link in the body of Christ to bring hope to us. Amen. One left. This represents all of you. All of you. Because you have been a light to the Dan family. As Aaron is in the hospital with Max, recovering, you have reached out, you've prayed, you've texted, you've emailed, you've Facebook messaged, you've offered to bring meals, you've loved, you've supported, and you have been a link to to their chain that they will never forget. And you know what this whole thing looks like? It's an unbreakable bond, and it's a light that this world needs, man. We were meant to make a difference. We were brought here with our chains, with our imperfections, with our abnormalities. We were brought here to be together, to be strong, and to go through this season as the body of Christ. We were here to make a difference, but I want to leave you with this thought. Making a difference is costly. It's costly. That's why some people, they don't make a difference. Or they make a small difference, but they never really make the difference they were called to make because they weren't willing to endure the pain that it takes. Paul, it cost him his life. 68 AD, he was martyred. Cost him everything. His deliverance came in a different form. But you know, Paul knew something that some of us don't know. I'll put it in the words of Charlie Waite from the Western movie Open Range, where he said, There's things that gnaw at a man worse than dying. Paul, Paul understood that. Paul, feared that he might live and to look back on his life having lived realizing that he never really lived that could speak to us today for some of us God wants us to live God wants to awaken us but to do that we're going to have to go through some challenges we're going to have to endure some, some chains in our life but listen to what Paul left us with For to me, 
to live is Christ, and therefore to die is gain. The worst thing that can happen to you in the world's eyes might just be the best thing. If God takes you home through the path of obedience, he, he, he takes you home through COVID, praise God. Praise God. If, if you're in obedience and God takes you home, that's why we don't have to fear death. Paul didn't fear death. He looked at it with a smile, with joy, because he knew he was being poured out like a drink offering, offering a sweet fragrance, fragrance to Jesus. God's awakening us. God's stirring our souls. He's challenging us to be a light this week, to go out and to boldly proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ to people in your workplace, in your school, in your gym. You might have a mask, but you can't mask the power of the Holy Spirit. It'll go right through that mask. It'll go right through it. And God's counting on us to do it. Would you just bow your heads and close, close your eyes just for a moment? Today, maybe someone's here and they don't know Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and God. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, you want to know that when you die, when you're taken from this earth, whenever that is, you want to spend eternity with Jesus. For those that are here or those watching this live stream, you can know him. If you want to know him, just slip up your hand right now and say, I want to know him. Every head bowed, eye closed. Amen, amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just raise your hand right now. Be bold, be bold. Amen, amen. I see you, brother. Anybody else? Those of you that have raised your hands and, and those are, that are raising your hands, uh, watching online, I want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I need you. And I'm coming to you today. I'm coming home. I'm coming back to you. Forgive me for my mistakes. Use me for your glory's sake. Thank you, Jesus, for being my God as I now belong to you and I will live for you. In your name, the name that saves, I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate new life. Come on. Come on, celebrate new life. Woo! I hope the Cardinals win. I really do. But that ain't got nothing on people coming to Jesus Christ. Nothing. And y'all didn't clap very loud for that, but that's okay. Because that's the truth. And that's never, that can never get old. That's our mission, to help people find and follow Jesus. When you wake up in the morning, you got a reason to wake up. you got a reason to be awakened to new life, to help people find and follow Jesus. If you made that decision, we got a free gift for you at our little Connect Center out there. And uh, if you made that decision online, we'd love to hear about it. You can write that in the chat. I made that decision. Or reach out to us at connect at gatheringchurch.org. Friends, this week, let's leave with a smile on our face. Let's smile up underneath your mask this week and take Jesus. Be the light of Christ to people, realizing that you might be in some chains this week, but endure those chains because God's going to produce gains in your life. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.